us and what God is doing. Well, we are in our last Sunday on the Sermon on the Mount. We have been in Jesus's red letter words. If you have a Bible that where every time Jesus speaks, that's in red letters. We have been in those words and from Matthew chapter five all the way to the end of Matthew chapter seven. Uh, and it has been just a phenomenal time together. As he wraps up this sermon, and as I've said multiple times in the past three weeks, uh, Jesus gets really serious. Not that he hasn't been really serious before, but he gets really serious. And he says, essentially, this is, this is a line in the sand moment for everyone. Uh, he, has invited, he has invited us uh, to choose the kingdom of God, uh, to walk through that narrow gate, uh, to follow Jesus even when it's hard, Following Jesus is very countercultural. It's not necessarily easy. It's going against the current. It's swimming upstream. But he says, choose the kingdom. And then he says, listen, I want you to be discerning about the, the voices that you invite into your life. There's a world of words, and I want you to follow my voice, my way, my words, as opposed to everything else around you. And today... Um, we're going to be looking, beginning in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, uh, but really focusing on what we've been talking about already this morning, is the rock of Jesus, building our life on a firm foundation. And the question we're going to be answering today is, how do you know, how do you know when you are building your house on the rock? How do you know you're building your house on the rock? Everyone. It doesn't matter who you are. Everyone is, their, is building their life on some foundation of some kind. And according to Jesus, it's either God's foundation of his kingdom. And we know that that kingdom rock is Jesus. We know later on, uh, Peter will profess that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. And Jesus will say, upon that rock, I will build my church Jesus is pointing to himself, right, in the fulfillment of God's kingdom, that he indeed is the rock. But we're either building our life upon the rock of Jesus, God's kingdom, or we're building our life on another, and that kingdom, that foundation will collapse into the sea. For Jesus, and God's kingdom is firm and eternal, it's stable, it's consistent, it's True with a capital T. And he says, build your life on what is true, what is lasting and firm. And he says, build your life on what's eternal, what's gonna last through all eternity. Don't, don't build your life on the foundation that's just gonna collapse and waste away and may, may seem fruitful for a season, but won't last forever in the way that God's kingdom, my kingdom will last. And so how do you know you're building your house on that firm, eternal kingdom of God. One of the things that I've really loved about this sermon is the crowd that Jesus is teaching, his disciples and all those who are overhearing, they weren't necessarily the most prestigious people, the wealthiest people, the most powerful people. And all along the way, he's been saying to them, you can live the kingdom of God. It's not just for those in power. 
It's not just for those in control or the wealthy or the rich. The, the poor and the meek, they can be the salt and light of the earth. It's for everyone. Will you join the kingdom? Will you follow me into the kingdom? Will you build your house on that rock? And so how do you know when you're building your house on the rock? In Matthew chapter seven, verse 21, we were supposed to hit this text last week, but we didn't. But let me, let me read you beginning in Matthew seven twenty-one. He says this, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That phrase, Lord, Lord, is, is written in such a way in the Greek that it's intended to, to, to feel passionate, full of emotion, Strong emphasis. Like a person who's caught up in the moment and cries out, Lord, Lord. Something that conveys emotion. And Jesus says, not everyone who comes to me full of emotion, emphatically, will enter the kingdom of heaven. What does he mean by that? Jesus is saying to us that building your house on the rock is more than stringing together a lifetime of religious experiences. It's far more than religious experiences. And by experiences, I mean those personal moments where you feel the nearness of God more than any other time in your life. Malcolm Guyatt would describe those moments as the places where the veil seems very thin. And those places could be very different for a lot of us. You know, for me, it might be that moment when I'm in Big Bend and I'm just staring into this mysterious, vast desert mountain terrain and I feel the nearness of God. It's a divine moment. It can be a religious experience or it could be uh, you're in the word of God and you see the truth and goodness of God that just springs up out of his word to you. It might be in a moment of worship where we're singing together, we're reading scripture together, and you're caught up in that divine, spiritual experience. We could probably list a, a number of examples where to us that veil might seem very thin, where God seems more near than any other time. And in those moments, we often can declare our love for Jesus, and we should when we see him more clearly. And even those religious experiences, we might talk about them later with other people and Declare our affection for Christ based upon those experiences. In fact, I would say our journey in God's kingdom may and should include few or many of those kind of thin veil moments. Those beautiful religious religious experiences where we can taste the goodness of God. I think we should seek them I think we should seek them. But Jesus is pretty clear here. He's saying that building your house on the rock of the kingdom of God must be more than religious experiences. Must be more than religious experiences. It must be more than those burning bush moments. Think of me with Moses in that burning bush when he was tending to his flock in the desert and he is caught off guard. He sees this bush that's burning that's not burning and he goes and God says take off your sandals it's holy ground he takes off his sandals and he has this I mean this divine encounter with God 
But even if Moses had a thousand burning bush moments in his life, and that's all he had, Jesus would say, you've got to build your, you've got to build your house on the rock and it has to be more than a thousand burning bush moments. Jesus says it's pretty clearly, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, no matter how emphatic or passionate, if that's all there is, he would say, you're not building your house on the rock if you're just stringing together religious experiences. How do you know when you're building your house on the rock? Um, Similarly, Jesus will tell us Building your house on the rock is more than stringing together years of religious practices. He also says that in Romans, I mean, Matthew chapter 7, verse 22. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, there's that passionate appeal. We prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. So they did three things. They prophesied. They cast out demons and they performed miracles. And then he says in verse 23, but I reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Jesus is saying absolutely clearly that building your house on the rock has to be more than stringing together years of religious practices. It has to be more than religious practice. This is not new and God has been saying this to his people for a long time. He continues to say it to us. But in Isaiah chapter one, verses 10 through 17, just, just listen to this admonition from the Lord. And I want you to list in your own brain as I read these, the various practices that the people at the time were doing to the Lord. He says this, verse 10, listen to the Lord, your leaders of Sodom, Listen to the law of our God, people of Gomorrah. Now that's, that's clue number one, that something's not right. But listen to the, all the things that they're doing right. What makes you think I want all of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I'm sick of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened cattle. I get no pleasure from the blood and bulls, uh, bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to Worship me when you ask to parade through my courts with all your ceremony. Stop bringing me your meaningless gifts. The incense of your offerings disgusts me. Ask, ask for your celebrations of the new moon and the Sabbath and all your special days of fasting. They are all sinful and false. I want no more of your pious meetings. I hate your new moon celebrations and your annual festivals. They are a burden to me. I cannot stand them. When you lift up your hands in prayer, I will not look. Though you offer many prayers, I will not listen, for your hands are covered with blood of innocent victims. Wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Roughly 10 practices that they were in a rhythm of doing in their own life. And God declared to them then, and Jesus is saying now, you're not living my kingdom if your attempt to living the kingdom is just stringing together religious practices. I mean, again, verse 10 gives us kind of, kind of, 
a very cl clear clue of what's going on here. They're, he compares them to Sodom and Gomorrah. There's a kind of immorality and wickedness among them that is kind of a part of their rhythm in the midst of the practices, these religious practices that are also taking place. And Jesus says, God says, said to them then, and Jesus says to us now that, gosh, building your house on the rock has to be more than just religious practice. We can go to all the right gatherings, we can perfect the right rituals, and we can love all the right traditions in our church family, and we can enjoy all the sights of sounds and worship when we're gathered together, and we still could be building on the wrong foundation. It's like being a tourist but never a citizen. It's like being a Spurs fan but never really in the game. It's like, like a husband who never came home after the wedding. It's we string together practices, and yet if that's all that we're doing and thinking we're building upon the foundation, Jesus says, you need to, you need to evaluate your heart. You need to consider uh, what you're doing, what's going on in your life. It has to be more than just religious practice. It has to be more than just religious experience. Something else needs to take shape in your life if you were to live the kingdom and build your life upon the foundation of the rock that we have in Jesus. What is that? What is that? Jesus is pretty clear on his meaning here throughout these texts. He's not mysterious or arbitrary or ambiguous, he's pretty clear, but he says it like this, he begins in verse 21. He says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only, only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Uh, then in verse 24, he says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. That person is like a person who builds a house on the rock. And then verse 26, but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. The common thread through these texts, how do we, how do we know if we're building our house on the rock? Well, according to Jesus, it is, it is that person who listens to my word and obeys my word. Who lives the kingdom of God and aims to seek to apply the kingdom truths in all of their life. In Matthew chapter 15, um, verses one through eight, Jesus has a very interesting encounter with some religious leaders, some teachers of the law and the Pharisees. Let me just read the encounter to you. It says, some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law now arrive from Jerusalem to see Jesus. Word is getting out. People are amazed at how he teaches. They've seen his miracles or heard about his miracles. And so they asked him when they found him, why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. Jesus replied, and why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? So here we're, we're clued in 
that Jesus is about to point out a way in which they are not choosing to obey God's clear command, which is what he's been talking about, listening and obeying. That's what it means to build your house on the rock. Verse four, he says, for instance, God says, honor your father and mother. I mean, all of us, and we know the 10 commandments, honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it's all right for people to say to their parents, Sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you say they don't need to honor their parents, and so you cancel the word of God for the sake of your own tradition, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. What was going on was some and religious leadership were justifying holding on to their resources so as not to take care of their parents in need as they were aging. They're finding an excuse to say, well, I'm giving what I would give to you to care for you in your older age. I have given it over to the Lord as an offering. And Jesus says, you've worked yourself around having to obey the law, to honor your parents, to speak respectfully of them. And then he finishes from Isaiah, you, you honor me with your words, but your hearts are far from me. So what is required of us? How do we know when we're building our house upon the rock? It's that kind of heart that has a deep commitment to listening and obeying Jesus. It's not just religious experience, which is good. Hopefully in our journey and living out the kingdom that we are having those encounters with God, the the veil is thin, that we know the presence of God and the reality of Jesus in those meaningful moments. But it has to be more than that. It has to be more than religious practices strung together over years, going to worship, attending Bible study, all those wonderful things that God plans for us, intends for us to engage in. But he says it, It has to be more than those things. It also has to embody a heart that is deeply committed to hearing my voice and seeking my kingdom and putting those things into practice in everyday life, everyday life. So how do you know you're building on the rock? You keep seeking the Beatitudes, those values that Jesus introduced from the very beginning. You keep seeking that poor in spirit, that humility. You, 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 you cast off pride and ego. You seek meekness and gentleness. You hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those are the things that you, you, your heart begins to shift towards. For Jesus, faith is listening and obeying, and it's an inside-out kind of faith that invites Jesus to overturn some of those tables, those other values that he needs to undo so that you can replace them with the values that we see in the Beatitudes. It's tearing down idols in our life. 
So how do we know that we're building our house on the rock? We keep on seeking those things. We keep on asking for those things. We keep on working those things out in our life and putting them into practice every single day, even when it feels like we're swimming upstream and life is really hard. It's Moses after the burning bush. If all Moses had was these wonderful, incredible religious experiences where he encountered God, but he didn't follow those up, with seeking to obey God. And Moses was a mess, right? Moses was a mess. He was uncertain about himself, unsure about himself. But there was a rhythm in Moses' life over time of listening and obeying God. He wasn't perfect. He dropped the ball along the way. But it wasn't just religious experience. It wasn't just religious practice. It was in between and the normal rhythms of life of Moses listening and obeying God. And that's what Jesus is saying, that when, that's what it means to build your house on the rock. Is yes, experiencing God in those moments. Yes, being faithful in those practices, but in those in-between moments of real life at home and in the workplace, you are seeking me even there and you're wanting to apply those truths even there in my life. It's like David in Psalm 119. This is a passage I used to read pretty frequently at the beginning of my time in God's word every day. But listen to David in Psalm 119. Teach me your decrees, O Lord, I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding and I will obey your instructions. I will put them into practice with all my heart. Make me walk along the path of your commands for that is where my happiness is found. Give me an eagerness for your laws rather than a love for money. He's talking about heart stuff here. Turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. Reassure me of your promise made to those who fear you. Be like David, who's daily seeking the kingdom in his life. Help me to teach me, give me understanding, help me to walk in those ways and help me to have the heart that loves your word and wants to put it into practice. Jesus says, do that. Increase in that, seek that, keep on asking that God might yield his kingdom in your life. It's taking on Jesus' yoke. Later, Jesus would say, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. That image of two oxen yoked together. So they're not going like this, but they are uniform. And Jesus is saying, will you take your, my yoke upon you so that I can be your guide in all of life and I can nudge you in the ways that you go. That's what it means to build your house on the rock. How to build your house on me. Will you, will you yield to my way? Will you obey me in all of life? In my prep time this week, um, I started imagining um, what it would be like if Jesus were my accountability partner. It's actually a good practice. You should try it. What if Jesus was my accountability partner? And and the basis of his questions of me, of my life, would come out of the Sermon on the Mount. Here's a, a few questions I thought that Jesus might ask me. 
Danny, how have you handled anger this week? How have you handled anger? Is there anyone you really need to make amends to because you just flew off the handle a little bit and you didn't deal with your angle right? Have you asked that person for forgiveness? Danny, have you taken sin seriously this week? I mean, like, the things, the sin that you are just a part of your life, have you taken that seriously? Have you taken other sins really seriously, but there are some sins in your life that are just, you kind of ignore, and they're your pet sin? Tell me, Danny, how are you learning to love your enemies? Now, Danny, I don't mean just indifference and ignoring them and not having to interact with them. I mean, how have you loved your enemies this week? Have you done that? He might ask me, Danny, is your heart in the right place when you pray publicly or when you preach? Are you doing it just so that you can sound really smart and dynamic and charismatic? Are you doing it for me and to me? Danny, do you need to let go of unforgiveness? Are you holding on to a grudge? Have you gone after that person to forgive them? Danny, have you been gentle and humble in your relationships? Or have you kind of lorded over people? Danny, how, how are you daily seeking my kingdom in your life? I mean, is it just about your own personal successes? Are you interested in what I'm doing in the world? How are you doing that? How's it taking shape? Danny, do you trust me? Do you trust me with your life? How have you been generous with your time and resources? I think if Jesus were my accountability partner, he would be asking me, not necessarily about my religious experiences, not about my religious practices when I come and join with my church family, which is absolutely important. I think you'd be asking me, are you obeying me in the things that I've told you to do and how to live life? Are you seeking to work those things out in your life? And I think he would do the same for all of us. The point is this, is to build our house on the rock as individuals and as a body of believers, the church, this local church, we must ambitiously continue to seek to live out the kingdom in all rhythms of our life. Yeah, we're gonna be a mixed bag sometimes. We're gonna be producing some good fruit and some bad fruit along the way but in the life of someone who's building that life upon the rock of Jesus, over time there is a pattern of seeking and obeying Jesus in life where that mixed bag begins to flip and good fruit is born out in the lives of people that we have relationship with. There's fruit. Will we build that kind of life on the rock of Jesus? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for uh, your word today. Lord, we know these truths. We know that you've called your people uh, to walk with your son Jesus, to love him, to follow him, to believe in him. 
Lord, I ask uh, on behalf of my brothers and sisters, my church family, that, that we would seek, keep seeking and keep asking to empower us to live, your, live the kingdom life in all of life. That our kingdom living would be more than just these beautiful experiences and more than just congregational practices. But in the in-between, we are faithfully seeking to obey your son and live for the kingdom. Help us to do that faithfully. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Our First Baptist Family's mission statement is to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and to lead all others in a joyful life with him. And to fit very closely with that is our theme for this season, Go and Tell. We hope everything that we provide, all the resources, encourage you, equip you to do just that. Go and tell.